0: My parents named me Katie after my great-grandmother, Katie, on my mom's side. But my dad's mom said that Katie was not a proper name and could not appear on a birth certificate. So on the birth certificate, my birth certificate says Catherine Elizabeth Arnold. And I don't know why, but Catherine is spelled with a Y when Katie is spelled with an I-E. So when, sometimes when someone sees my name Catherine, they think Katie is also spelled with a Y, so it just causes confusion. And I have no idea where Elizabeth came from. I don't, I don't know why that's a part of my name. But I know if someone calls me Catherine, it's either the doctor's office, or it's someone who doesn't know me very well. But I do know if I hear the name Catherine Elizabeth, it's my mother, and I'm in trouble. I know that. My husband, Steve, very, very, very rarely calls me Katie. I think maybe four or five times since we've been married. The name he adopted for me when we were dating was Miss Arnold, my maiden name. And that's still what he calls me, is Miss Arnold. I've got nephews and a niece that call me Aunt Katie. I've got some people who call me Mrs. Shockley. Many of you call me Pastor Katie. I have many names. Many names my guess is you do too some of you have names that your significant other has given you or maybe you've got a nickname from your childhood maybe a nickname you'd like to get rid of some of you are called mom and dad some of you are called grandma or granddad you've got these different names you may have a name that's based on a sports team or maybe an inside joke with some of your buddies but we all have different names we respond to different names And we can understand that, the idea of having multiple names. In today's passage, God reveals God's name to Moses. But God reveals so much more than that in this passage. God reveals God's center of awesome power. We learn something of God's nature and character. We learn something of God's relationships. With us, there is so much more in this passage than first meets the eye. Moses, God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. It is a bush that is on fire, but it is not being consumed. Well, that's a little unusual. Later in the story, Moses is going to go to Egypt. And he's gonna take God's people and he's gonna lead them out of Egypt. And in that one night, the night of the Exodus, when, when he divides the Red Sea and they, they go into the wilderness, that night, God leads the people as a, as a column, as a pillar of smoke by day, and as a pillar of fire by night. And then when they are in the wilderness, the people experience God descending as a cloud upon the mountain to talk to Moses, and then later we see this cloud descend on the place where they are going to worship. God demonstrates God's presence to Moses and to the Israelites in profound and dramatic ways. Here in this part of the country, we get some beautiful sunsets, do we not? Red, orange, pink, blue, and purple. A friend of mine captured a picture of a recent sunset that was just spectacular. But the way the clouds were shaped in the edge of her picture, it was like a scribble. And she wrote on Facebook, it's like God signed the sunset. Like an artist signs a canvas. In this, God reveals not only who God is, but that God is the Almighty Creator. That our God is the one who created all things, is still creating all things. And God can be in creation, over creation, through creation. God can use creation. And so why did God come to Moses in a burning bush? We don't really know. To demonstrate His power, sure, maybe. But also to say the God that you are talking to is the God over all creation. That's the God. Whom we have, the Creator. What we have here in this story is an interaction between God and Moses. God has heard the people's cry out of Egypt and is ready to set them free, and He's calling Moses to do the job. Well, it's a, Mo- it's a job that Moses doesn't want. Moses is a man of excuses, which is why I can relate to him so much. He's one of my favorite characters. And the first excuse that he proposes to God is, well, who am I? Who am I to do this? And then the second thing that he says to God is, but what, if, what do I say when they ask me your name? What is your name? That question is a loaded question. And there's multiple layers to it. Yes, he wants to know who is this God that is speaking to him so that he can tell the Israelites which God this is. Remember, the Israelites are in Egypt where they've got a lot of different gods by a lot of different names, doing a lot of different things. And so the people are going to know, well, which God are you talking about? And Moses wants to be able to tell them. But there's also an understanding and a practice of the time that if a person knew the name of a God, then that person had power over that God. So Moses is not only asking, well, what do I tell them, but I want to have a little bit of power over you. But God's answer silences Moses. God says that God's name is, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. Or I am who I will be. God's answer says, you cannot hold on to my name. You cannot grasp my name. You cannot have power over me because you cannot understand my name. Moses nor anybody else will ever be able to have power over God by knowing God's name. Something that the English is hiding from us in this translation about God's name is the idea that Hebrew actually doesn't use pronouns. They don't have a he. They don't have an I. And so what actually that, that verse says about God's name is that God's name is simply a verb. It's a verb. And the verb means to be. And the tense of that verb gives us an everlasting sense. It's a sense of a faithfulness that will carry on into eternity. And so English is hiding some of that from us. And so God's name, probably better stated, is will be. Or will be who will be. There's an awesomeness to that name that it cannot be captured. For Jews, Jews do not say God's name because God's name is not pronounceable. Jews do not say it. In fact, when a scribe was copying the old Hebrew scriptures and making copies of them, whenever the scribe came to a place where it had God's name, the scribe had to stand to write it out of respect for the holiness of that name. And we actually have an example similar to this in the New Testament. In the Gospel of John, there's a series of things that we call the I Am sayings of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd, I am the gate, and several more. What Jesus says there, and it is not by accident, Jesus uses the same name that God used in this passage today with Moses. In that moment, Jesus is claiming his divinity. He is saying, I am the Lord. This is what leads to the blasphemy charges against Jesus because he was claiming he was God. That's how powerful this name is. God's name is not God. We use it like it's God's name, but that is not God's name. In the Hebrew Scriptures, which we call the Old Testament, there are at least two dozen different names used for God. El, Adonai, El Shaddai, and many, many others. But we can understand that. We can understand something having more than one name. We can understand that. We can also understand that the human language is too limited to grasp God's nature and God's character and to understand God's name. God's name is incomprehensible. It is beyond anything that we can understand. We use different names for God. Almighty Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, and Lord, just to name a few. And each one of those says something about our understanding of God's character and God's nature. As Christians, we have a phrase that we use as a name for God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That says something about our understanding of Christ, about our understanding of God's presence with us every day. The name we use says something about our understanding of of God at the very least God's name tells us that God is everlasting, that God is faithful for all eternity and beyond that we can't grasp what God's name is but the name that God gives here is not the only way that God refers to God's self in this passage God tells Moses I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob We talked last week about the Jewish patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that God would forever be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Moses knows which God it is that's speaking to him. The Israelites, even though they've been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years and they're surrounded by all these other gods, they would have heard the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had to have heard the stories. They had to have been passed down generation to generation we wouldn't have them today. They know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then God adds, I'm the God of your father. That tells us that Moses' father knew God and that Moses' father was in relationship with God. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We have a God who is a God of relationship. A God who wants to be in relationship with every human creature that God has created. We have a God who wants to be in relationship with you and with me. All of this got me to thinking about the names that we use for God. And it got me thinking about the name that I use for God most often when I'm doing my own personal prayer. So I want you to take for just a moment, just a moment, and think about what name... Do you use for God when you are in prayer? How do you address God or Christ in prayer? What what name do you use there? I, I've discovered that my favorite is gracious Lord. Gracious Lord. That says something about me. That says something about my understanding of God. And it says something about my relationship with God. Grace for me is the center of everything. Grace is the absolute center. God's love for us that we have not earned is the absolute middle of my understanding of God, absolute middle of my theology. Everything comes back to God's love and grace. My understanding that God's love is for all people, that God's grace is given to all people, it is the absolute center of what I believe. So it doesn't surprise me that gracious comes out when I think of God. The other word there is Lord. Now, Lord's a little tricky. Because the word Lord means the person who calls the shots in your life. And I think I use Lord for two reasons. First, to recognize that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. But also to remind me that I need to let Jesus call the shots in my life. So that gracious Lord sums up my understanding of God, and it sums up my relationship with Jesus Christ in the relationship that I want to have with Jesus Christ. What is the name that you use when you're in prayer with God and Jesus? Does that name reveal all that you want it to reveal about your relationship with God and your understanding of Jesus Christ? If it doesn't, maybe it's time to explore a new name. Explore a new name. What do you want to say about your understanding of God? What do you want to say about your relationship with Christ? What do you want to say about what you want your relationship to be with Christ? Just some things to think about over lunch. Yeah. Today's passage is the beginning of of a long discourse between God and Moses. Moses is a man of excuses. God has called him to a job, and Moses does not want to do it, and I think probably all of us can relate to that, of a job we don't want to do. First, Moses says, well, who am I to do this? And then he says, well, what name do I tell people? But then Moses goes on to say... I am slow of tongue and slow of speech. He has some sort of speech issue. What if they don't believe me? It's another excuse. And the last thing that Moses says to God is, please send somebody else. I can relate to that. Please send somebody else. But what God reveals through Moses... Is that God can overcome all of our weaknesses. We have examples of Moses being an excellent choice for this job, and we have examples of Moses being a really bad example to carry out this job. God chooses whom God chooses, and thank God that God does not choose perfect people. Because through perfect people, God will not be revealed. God chooses imperfect people so that the strength and power of God will be revealed. And glory will be shown in the weakness. Our God is an awesome God. A God of power. The Creator who is over and in and through creation. Our God is a God of relationships. God wants to be in relationship as God was in relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God reveals God's self in massive, powerful, dramatic ways. The burning bush, the pillar of cloud, and fire... A sunset and in his son, Jesus Christ. When you think of the names that we have for God, they're big because our God is big. But then in some of those names, God is intimate and with us and in relationship with us every day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, In the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In the name of the God of Moses and his father. Amen.